This is episode number 53 with the founder and president of Financial Asset Protection, Sari Ibrahim. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at G chapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. My guest today is Sari Ibrahim, and the concept he's going to talk about to us is what he calls the bank on yourself uh, investment strategy. So when Sari initially reached out to me, this really caught my eye because as you guys know, listening to the podcast, I'm a big believer that if you really want to create freedom in your life, that is going to require you to, in some form or fashion, bank on yourself. But what Sari's going to talk to us about is really more of a wealth management and investing strategy. It's what I would consider to be more of a non-traditional investment strategy. He goes into a lot of detail and unpacks exactly what it is that his firm helps his clients do when it comes to investing and planning for retirement. But it's a pretty interesting concept. He also goes into some detail about how many of his clients are business owners themselves and how they have strategically been able to use what he calls the bank on yourself concept to strategize for not only their future, but also 
to maximize uh, the benefits that they're getting from their existing businesses. So very relevant concept. Uh, I found it pretty interesting and hope that you will as well. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Sari Ibrahim. You know, for those listening in that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, maybe kind of give us a quick overview of, you know, how you even got into wealth management, which is, you know, what your business really centers around. And then tell us more about your company and, and what you guys do. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm the founder of a company called Financial Asset Protection. It's a financial services firm located in Chicago. Uh, about 99% of our clients are virtual or remote throughout okay. all 50 states. Uh, and pretty much we, we tend to deal with only one specific type of concept. It's the bank on yourself concept, also known as the infinite banking concept, which pretty much shows real estate investors and a lot of small business owners how they could grow safe and predictable wealth while also becoming their own source of financing. So that's pretty much okay. what we do. Uh, a little bit about my background, how I got into this. Um, I was originally a Medicare consultant. I was working with a lot of retirees, people who were like 64, 65 years old, retiring, merging off of their employer plans, mm -hmm. and then getting onto their own Medicare plan. So that's what, that was my job for a couple of years, just helping them make that transition, making sure everything was in align with, with, with what they needed. And during that time, one of my Medicare clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. He said uh -huh. something about like life insurance, it has cash value. And I really had no idea what he was talking about. I had okay. my... I had my life insurance license at the time, but I wasn't really that competent in life insurance. Sure. But we had a good relationship and I told him I would do more research for him and I'd get back to him. And I started go, I went online and I also went on Amazon and I searched for books about life insurance. And mm. I came across this, <laughs> and I came across this one book called uh, the bank on yourself revolution by Pamela Yellen. Okay. The book pretty much talks about using the strategy, the bank on yourself strategy or the bank on yourself concept. Um, and becoming your own source of financing and also structuring your own retirement plan that you own and you can control. And then I kind of like fell in love with this concept. And also I was like, not only do my Medicare clients need to know about this, but also everybody, you know, the whole world needs to know about this. And pretty much that's when I founded financial asset protection and with the primary niche being the, the bank on yourself strategy and uh, doing these podcasts and kind of spreading the word. And it's kind of how we connected, you know, yeah, absolutely. And, and love the, the whole concept of bank on yourself, right? And, and that's, you know, when you initially reached out, part of why I thought it would be cool to have you come on and, and talk because, you know, my audience, the people that I work with, that's 100% what they're doing and they're banking on themselves when, you know, they make that decision to, you know, go and start a franchise business, whether it's their first business or they've had businesses or currently have businesses, you're banking on yourself at the end of the day. So I definitely want to, you know, kind of unpack this whole concept that you talk about bank on yourself and better understand that. But, you know, before we even do that, like, tell me just so I can understand how, how kind of, I think you said the title of the book was the bank on yourself revolution. Like how revolutionary is this concept? I mean, are you one of the few people out there kind of helping people figure this out or are there, are there other people that are kind of teaching these same concepts? Yeah, well, there's about 200 bank on yourself professionals in North America in the US and in Canada. Okay. And there was like a eight week training program that I went through to get that bank on yourself professional designation. And pretty much the reason why I think the book is called the revolution is because when it comes to investing and saving money, uh, people's instant reaction is, you know, they go to their bank and they have their checking account savings and then any extra money 
is usually goes in an IRA or a mutual yeah. fund or some sort of index fund, some sort of fund managed by a bank or a financial advisor, also known as you know, tr- tr- traditional financial planning. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, I, and the book talks about the issues with them, the volatility involved in the stock market and how it's actually more, um, more dangerous than people think it is. You know, mm. in 2008, half of you know, retirement plans were completely you know, almost destroyed. Yeah, um, true. At, and and these are also unpredictable too. So yeah, you have you know people who are analysts and can you know measure certain tendencies in the stock market, but still nobody knows what's going to happen. And I think that I, I I am a business owner myself, so I do consider risks, but mm-hmm. I don't consider unnecessary risks. You know, if there's a way that you can grow well safely and predictably without the stock market, then I'll take that route. So it's not necessarily like either or either the stock market or the bank on yourself concept, but I'm I'm leaning more towards the one that has the safer option, the safer solution, especially if it's your retirement, especially if that's what you're relying on to fall back on when you're 65 or 70 years old. I don't think there should be any investments in there or any risk involved in that. So, so, but it sounds like you're not opposed to, you know, putting some of your money into the stock market. You're just saying, you know, you want to make sure you've got a a diversified strategy and, and do as much as you can to decrease the risk, especially when it comes to money you're planning to live off of once you retire and maybe other sources of income kind of dry up. Exactly. Precisely. So, so tell, you know, kind of explain this for us. So how is, how is the bank on yourself strategies that, you know, you teach your clients, how is it different from, you know, the traditional investing in, I would assume mutual funds, 401ks, IRAs. I mean, any of these kind of traditional investment strategies that so many people have been utilizing for so long. Well, yeah, a few things. So number one, um, the bank on yourself strategy is based off of kind of a counterintuitive product. It is dividend paying whole life insurance. And as soon as people hear that, they're like, you know, I thought life insurance was just life insurance. Um, and it could be, there's typically three types of life insurance. There's term, whole life, and universal. Term is pretty much just set, a set period of time, either you know, 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, you pay for it, and it only insures your life during that time. Whole life is a, it has a life insurance part, but it also has a cash value component or a savings mm-hmm. account within it. And that savings account earns dividends and compound interest over time. And then universal is pretty much a combination of term and whole life. But just to make things simple, we'll refer more to whole life insurance. So pretty much the bank on yourself strategy is using whole life insurance. It's using the cash value in it to become your own source of financing, to plan for retirement, to use alongside your business, to pretty much grow wealth over time. And being and using all this, of course, while you're still living, while you, while you have that cash value, it's more of a cash value component than a life insurance component. And as opposed to mutual funds, IRAs, 401ks, a lot of those are invested in the stock market uh, with that has volatility and also has... Uh, some tax disadvantages. Yeah, for example, with a 401k and IRA, you can get a, um, a defer, you could defer your taxes per year. So for example, if you make $100,000 a year, you add in $5,000 in your 401k, you only pay taxes on that year for 95,000. Mm-hmm. But as that money is growing, and then you go to take that money out in your later years, you're going to be taxed at ordinary income. And if you take the money out before age 59 and a half, you're going to have a 10% tax penalty. So this means that there's some tax disadvantages. And there's also some uh, lack of control or lack of co- liquidity in these accounts. Whereas on the bank on yourself side with the whole life side, you have access to up to 95% of the cash value at any time. No questions asked. And also the cash is sitting with the whole life insurance company that's been in business for over 160 years. 
Um, also, insurance companies are regulated differently from financial institutions and banks, meaning that insurance companies can only invest in certain areas by regulated by the state government and federal government. They can only invest in the bond market, give out private loans. They're very conservative, and they've been doing this. They have a, a proven track record of doing this for over 160 years. You know, banks. You know, it's very common. For example, after after 2008, a lot of banks changed their names. They were merged. Mm-hmm. They were acquired by different banks. Insurance companies stood their ground, and they weren't really affected by the 2008 market crash. Yeah, some insurance companies had banking divisions separate from their insurance entities, and those banking divisions were probably affected like other banks, but the insurance components, those were still standing. And I think that's the point is that you want your money sitting somewhere. It's like having a business partner that's, you know, been in business for over 160 years, and you want to partner with that person, you know, that person that hasn't really lost money, even when economic conditions go south, Um, That's kind of the reason why I think that the bank on yourself strategy beats the other traditional uh, financial assets or financial components. So in in your business and, you know, when you're working with your clients, do you have a specific insurance company that you work with or do you have a network of these companies and, you know, depending on the client and, you know, what exactly they're kind of looking to accomplish, you help match them up with the right, I guess, product or or how, how do you kind of structure that in your business? Yeah, so there's about 1,200 insurance companies in the U.S. that have whole life insurance, but about only four of them could pretty much do everything we're talking about. Only four of them can give safe, guaranteed, predictable wealth over time, have the guaranteed liquidity, and also when you do borrow against them, the cash flows, the cash still grows. So we typically use four insurance companies, and we're like a brokerage. We're not captive to each one. We can represent, you know, whichever one we feel the client would best fit the client. And that's kind of how I I structured the agency. So uh, a lot of insurance agents kind of have the option of going captive, meaning they represent only one company Uh or they can go independent. They could represent uh, more than one company. Um, Also, a lot of a lot of financial advisors might be, you know, also known as broker dealers or they have their investment licenses. And if they have their investment licenses, they can only they have to be very particular in their marketing. They can't say the words safe and guaranteed and things like that. So we don't do any investments to to allow us to use these words, you know, safe, guaranteed, predictable wealth in our marketing because that's what we offer. So let me ask you this. You said there's only about four companies that can actually offer what you're talking about. Is Northwestern Mutual one of those? No, unfortunately not. It's uh, Mass Mutual, Security Mutual, Forrester's Financial, and Lafayette. So there's a couple of things. There's like a checklist that clients should understand before jumping into this. Number one, it has to be whole life insurance. It can't be term or universal. It has to be whole life. Number two, it has to be from a mutual insurance company. So it has to be from a, an insurance company that uh, pays its dividends and profits back to the policy owners. Mm-hmm. Whereas stock and stock owned insurance companies give their dividends and profits back to shareholders. Right. So it has to be mutually owned. And then number three, there's something called non-direct recognition. This means, let's say, for example, you have $100,000 in uh, a whole life insurance policy, right? That's your cash value. And let's say you're also a business owner. You need some liquidity. You access $50,000 out of this policy. In a non-direct recognition situation, when you borrow that 50,000, your 100,000 continues to compound and continue to grow because you didn't subtract from that balance. You borrowed against it from a different source, leveraging your cash value. And this is how you can get that compound growth on $100,000, meaning that you're only borrowing at 50,000 and you're paying a loan at 50,000, but you're earning compound interest on 100,000. So it creates a spread between earning your money, earning interest on your money and using that money. That's non-direct recognition. Uh, Northwestern is not an, it's not a non-direct recognition, meaning it's a direct recognition. So that's the box that they don't check. Cause the first two boxes 
I believe, and the reason I ask, you know, this is for my own personal understanding. You know, our, our financial advisor is with Northwestern Mutual, worked with him for years. Great guy. He's actually been on the podcast, uh, but he's been talking to me recently about, you know, I guess a product that they offer that sounds very similar to what you're describing, but I think I understand the difference now. Yeah, exactly. It's the non the non direct recognition part that that's what makes you really like bank on yourself. Is it the fact mm. that you're borrowing money and still using it at the same time, earning yeah. compound interest on that on that money? Yeah, interesting. So to circle back, you you said you're you're independent, meaning you can work with any of these companies, and so that puts you in a position to kind of find one that that is the best fit for a particular client that you're working with. Correct. Yes. So what, what type of uh, resources would someone need to put one of these policies in place? I mean, how much money would someone need to get it started? And then, you know, you've talked about cash value. So how long does it take to build up? Uh, is it based on the amount that you've paid towards the policy? And that kind of equals the cash value that you have? Explain to us a little bit more about how, how that would work and how someone might go about getting started. Yeah, definitely. Good question. So, so pretty much uh, what we always do with our clients is we do a full thorough 60 to 90 minute financial analysis with all our clients. We need to understand their situation, you know, cash flow. Are they W2 employees? Do they also own a business on the side? You know, what's their mm -hmm. kind of financial situation like? And then from there, we have a second call. It's our personalized solution call. That's where we present the solution to them based off of the information we uncovered in the financial analysis call. Okay. So for example, if we're talking to somebody who makes a million dollars, the solution is going to be different for them than somebody who makes, you know, $50,000 a year. Now it doesn't mean that the person who makes $50,000 a year can't have a solution. We do have a solution for every, anybody pretty much who's a college student still living at home all the way to, you know, they're 70 years old and they have a few million dollars in retirement accounts that, that they need to do something with. So we have a, a very wide range of solutions using okay. the strategy for them. Um, and then to answer kind of about the cash values, it all depends on the funding. It depends on the age. Since we're dealing with compound interest, you know, of course, more time is better. Mm -hmm. So the more time and typically in the first initial years, yes, the cash value is going to be based off of how much premium dollars you're allocating. Typically, if somebody is like 30, 30 years old, they put in like $10,000 a year. And the first year they could see about um, actually two things happen when they, when they put in those premium dollars, one is that they're buying cash value. And the second mm -hmm. is that they're buying life insurance and they both go hand in hand. So year one, maybe if they're putting in like 10,000 year one, their cash value might be like 6,000. And then their death benefit might be like $400,000. And then both of those the 6,000 and the 400,000 grow every single year with the premium dollars going into it. So you the death up, benefit actually grows over time as well. Correct. Yes. Okay. But it, but it sounds like, I mean, someone couldn't set one of these up with the intention of, hey, in two months, I want to, you know, take out a loan against the cash value of my uh, policy unless they put a very large lump sum down, if I'm understanding that correctly. Exactly. Yeah. I do this a lot with a lot of real estate investors. For example, they'll have oh. like four, $400,000 in cash. They'll move $400,000 $400, in cash or $500,000 in cash into a single premium whole life policy, yeah. meaning they buy up the whole life policy upfront. It's like buying Ooh. a house in cash. So then they have $400,000 cash value. They have about three eighty, three eighty, okay, three ninety in cash there's, value. There's some interest, right? Exactly. And okay. then after that, and then, they, and then, so pretty much if somebody is like 50 years old, and these are kind of just rough numbers. So if they're like sure, 50 years old, 
they put in like $400,000, their cash value would probably be like 380. Their death benefit, their life insurance would probably be like $700,000. And then the cash value and the life insurance grow every year now without any more dollars needed. They still grow and they still earn interest. And then, so using the example of the real estate investors, then pretty much at any point they could access at least a portion of that cash value, take out a loan against it, go do some real estate investing, but they still have the 380 or, or whatever it comes out to be that's in there gaining compound interest. Exactly. Yeah. And eventually the cost of capital becomes cheaper to use your whole life policy than it does to use any other source. Because think of it this way. If you, for example, um, just makes things simple. If you bought a property for $50,000 in cash, you just took $50,000 out of your checking account and bought that property. You could no longer earn interest on that money anymore. You've just traded cash for a property. And then if you borrow from somebody else, like a private money or hard money or a bank, you pay the interest to them. Whereas with this solution, you do kind of both. You're, you're buying it in cash with the policy, but you're still earning interest on your money. So eventually, in the, in the, with a lot of real estate investors, they'll buy up the property, pay for it in cash, and then finance, become their own like mortgage. And then they'll do that, for example, for like 15 years. And then at the end of the 15-year cycle, they'll have the property with the appreciation and the cash value in the life insurance policy with the appreciation there too. They kind of did two things with their money at the same time. Yeah, that's interesting. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. 
And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. You know, I've learned throughout my life, but especially in business and, you know, when it comes to investment opportunities, there's pros and cons with anything, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I understand you're, you're probably biased towards the the bank on yourself strategy. Uh, What are, what are some of the potential cons though? Um, You know, why would someone look at this option and say, maybe it does not make sense for me? Yeah, definitely, Wes. That's a good, that's a really good question. And I always look at this as if I was a client. Mm-hmm. If, if a client called me uh, tomorrow and said, hey, I found something that's better than bank on yourself, I'll ask him what that is. And I'll probably switch over all my clients to that new solution. So I always have the client in mind. And I got into this because I felt that it would be beneficial for clients. Yeah. Having yeah. said that, there are, you're right, there are some downsides to it. It's not a perfect plan. One downside to it is that there's a capitalization period. There's a period of time where you have to build up that capital. Not everybody's going to have, you know, $400,000 laying sure. around. Yeah. So there's going to be like, I started my first policy with $300 a month. And as I was putting in those $300 a month into it, a portion of that was going just to fees, just for the, sure. the fee part of the policy. Um, so typically you can see that's one downside you can see with the policy is that there's, there's some fees involved in the first couple of years, but I didn't do it just for a two year stretch. I did it for a 20 year stretch. Right. You know? It's a so long-term play. Long-term play. Yeah. So by the time I retire, I'll probably have, you know, a guaranteed in writing in the, in the illustration, I'll have three times the amount of cash value I put into the policy tax-free. Now I'll talk about taxes for a second. Okay. So as I'm funding this policy, I'm pretty much using after tax dollars. I'm paying taxes on the money, then putting it into the policy. Now it's growing tax deferred, meaning that as the policy is getting interest and dividends in the policy, I don't have to claim that on my taxes. And then when I take that money out, I'm taking it out um, at an after tax with after tax dollars as 0% tax in the 0% tax bracket. Okay. So in, other words, in other words, I'm not paying taxes on the interest and gains in the whole life policy. That's under And you don't tax. pay any income tax on it when you start taking it out either. Correct. Yeah. In this okay. situation. Okay. And in some situations, about 95% of situations, this is how it works with whole life insurance and using the cash value. It's tax favor. 5% of the time you will have to pay taxes on the gains and withdrawals depending on how it's structured. And sometimes we intentionally do that. We intentionally have something called a modified endowment contract or a MEC policy. That's when the policy is intentionally, uh, t- there's tax, there's taxes involved. But there's the other benefits, of course, that the client is willing to do. 95% of the time when we avoid that, we try to build it out so it grows on a tax-favored basis. That 5% of the time that you're intentionally setting it up that way, what's the benefit of doing so? Or, or why would you decide to, to go that route? Mm-hmm. So there's still other benefits involved. For example, there's still the life insurance component. That's, that's still tax-free, the death benefit. There is the asset protection component. So in a lot of states, the cash value that sits in the whole life policy is protected from creditors and predators. It's not public records. So now that, for example, a lot of real estate investors are kind of wary of this, of getting sued. So they'll park their money instead of having it sitting in a, in a business account, they'll have it sit in the whole life insurance policy. Mm. Creditors can't see it. Um, and a lot of states protect that. They protect um, even if somebody does get sued and they, and they, and I'm not an attorney, so this is not legal advice, sure. but even if, even if somebody does get sued and they ended up like losing that lawsuit and there's a judgment against them, the cash value is protected from that in most situations, in a lot of states, in most so that's situations. That's not like an asset that could be pursued by whoever sued them. Exactly. Yes. So that's why a lot of uh, real estate investors, a lot of and business owners use these policies for asset protection purposes. 
Interesting. So, and I'm curious if, if another, you know, potential trade-off here, right? I mean, you've already talked about the fact that, you know, with this bank on yourself approach, it's essentially risk-free or mm -hmm. it's safe more so than traditional investments into the stock market, whether it be a mutual fund, a 401k, an IRA, there's more volatility in the market. Uh, we know that. What are you potentially sacrificing on the return side, right? I mean, are you giving up some potential upside, you know, because usually the safer it is, the, mm -hmm. the lower the potential for return in terms of, you know, percentages. So is that, is that kind of what we're looking at here? Are you giving up a little bit of upside uh, for a safer mechanism? Okay, awesome question. I love the return part. Okay, so there's kind of two ways I'll answer this. One way is that, as I mentioned earlier, the, the bank on yourself strategy, it's not an either or uh, focus or component. It's not right, either right. I put money in my whole life insurance policy or I put it into my business or in the, in the stock market. Right. You, could, you could capitalize the whole life policy, borrow from the cash value against it, use that to invest in your business, use that to invest in the stock market, and then pretty much pay yourself back. It's like, it's like having a safe house for your money and then that money can kind of move around and then, but it always comes back to that safe place, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not really giving up any returns because you could take advantage. And the second way too, is that when I first got into financial planning and financial services, and I, you know, I understood that concept, you know, low risk, low return, high mm -hmm. risk, high return. I couldn't tell which one was worse, you know, low risk, low return or high risk, high return. In other words, well, it kind of depends on the person too, right? It depends on the person. Yeah. And you have the ability to kind of, gauge how much you want to risk, how, how risky you want to be with your own money. Mm -hmm. So you could take money from the whole life policy, borrow against it, use that for super high risk investments. And if those investments fail, you still have the cash value in the policy. You still have it compounding and growing. So it's almost like a tool that you could use in between you and your investments. It's not the bank on yourself strategy. It's not an investment in itself. It's a saving strategy that okay. you could be, that could be used alongside high risk investments. If you wanted to, you Got can it. kind of control that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think it's a point worth reiterating, right? You're not recommending that people put all their eggs in this basket. It's, it's another tool that can be used to build wealth and, and also, you know, maybe de-risk some of your other investment strategies that you're utilizing. Exactly. Yeah. Since there are no really restrictions on the cash that's in there, it's not like you have to use it for business purposes or you can't invest in the business you own. You can do whatever you want with that money. You could buy a vacation. You can fund your vacation. You could literally fund the house you live in, your real estate properties, franchising. You could do whatever you want with that money. Fascinating. So another question that popped into my mind, and this may be just me kind of being naive with how some of these things work, but because it is at the end of the day, a life insurance policy, what happens when the policyholder passes away? Yeah, when the policyholder passes away, they get pretty much the life insurance goes to their beneficiary. Okay. And pretty much the policy is terminated at that point, it cancels out. And then the beneficiaries then can start their own policies with that with that life insurance amount and then kind of keep the cycle going like the multi generational wealth. But the way it works is that the the light the value of the actual life insurance would always be higher than the the cash value. So you're oh, not yeah. potentially losing, you know, anything when you know if I'm the policyholder and I pass away, there's actually going to be more paid out to my beneficiaries than you know if I would have just essentially leveraged the cash value that I had in it before I passed. 
Definitely. Sometimes, yeah. you know, as much as 20 or 30 times the cash value, the, wow. the life insurance. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, you know, you, you talked about some tax, are, are there any other tax benefits? And, and one of the things I wanted to, to get your view on this on because of the audience listening in, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or existing small business owners, are there, and, and you've given some examples, you know, from real estate investors, which is pretty cool. Uh, and that's something we're getting more into ourselves. So that's really interesting for me personally, but any, any particular advantages, you know, for a business owner or someone that is considering getting into business for themselves to, to utilize this bank on yourself strategy, you know, maybe over and above the benefits of someone that's a W2 employee utilizing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome question. So think, so I think if you're getting into business, um, usually people have different reasons why, like, right. Sure. They want to be, uh, they want to manage their own time. Yeah. Um, they want to make more money. They want to pretty much be in control of their life. For a lot of people I've seen is that it tends to be the ability to make more money. That's kind of a, I think a, a general objective for a lot of people is they, they tend to want to make more money. Definitely. And I, and I kind of urge them to take it a step further and think of not just making more money, but also having the ability to keep more money. Mm. A lot of business owners fail at this. A lot of business owners are good at making money and driving up revenue. But when it comes to saving their actual money and keeping it, that's where a lot struggle. And I think that this strategy, the bank on yourself strategy could be used. In other words, it's repositioning your current dollars. So you already have your cash flow coming in. You already have your expenses. You can have some of your cash flow go through your bank on yourself policy. And then from your bank on yourself policy, borrow from that to use for expenses. Now it's almost like you, you have a net in between the cash coming in and the cash leaving. You're able to capture some of that and pinch some of it on its way out, giving you the ability to earn more on your money. And that, that net that you're keeping, of course, is going to earn compound interest and dividends. So eventually you're doing what banks do. When you go to a bank and you take out a loan, it's not necessarily their actual capital. They're sure. borrowing that from somebody else, from an, from a, from an investor, and the investor pretty much goes to that bank. The bank takes that money, borrows it out, lends it out to other people. They charge a high interest rate, like 12%. They take 6%, give that to the investor. The investor would rather put 6% with the bank than you know, in the stock market. Sure. It tends to be. And then the bank now charges fees and interest in between the customers and the investors. You know, And you could do the same thing in your business. A lot of my clients too also are like uh, distributors and wholesalers. So they'll buy from manufacturers Mm -hmm. And then they'll sell to their customers. And there's a, there's like a 60 to 90 day delay mm -hmm. um, in between earning that capital and having to pay the vendors. Sure. So they have the ability now to park that into a whole life insurance policy, earn compound interest on that money in between earning that money and spending that money. So these are some tricks that business owners could actually use. Instead of having that money sitting in a bank, bank account, yeah. you could earn interest on it. And eventually over volume and over time, just like how banks do it, banks make half a percent, 1% every dollar that's coming in, but in volume, it, it, ends, it adds up. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, kind of parking it, you know, there until you've actually got to pay for, you know, the materials that you've already purchased and resold. One of our businesses is similar to that. It's not... Uh, quite 60 to 90 day terms, but it's 30 day terms. I don't know if that would, um, you know, be long enough to make sense to, to utilize a strategy like that or not. But um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So um, in, in your particular business, I'm curious, you know, what, what types of clients are you working with? Do you predominantly work with business owners? Do you predominantly work with, uh, you know, people that are retiring or approaching retirement, high net worth individuals, or is it kind of a, across the board? Do you kind of have a, 
I guess, a, a niche that you've carved out? Yeah. So the niche is small business owners and okay. real estate investors, and sometimes both. They're also they're business owners, sure. and, you know, accountants, lawyers, and they also do real estate investing at the same time. So that's kind yeah. of our niche. But we don't exclude, you know, anybody else. So for example, if you're a W two employee, you might have a four hundred one k, and you want to have something else that you can set aside. You know, like my wife is a nurse; she has a four hundred three b two through work, and we mm-hmm. set up one of these policies for her too. So now in retirement, she'll hopefully have the four hundred three b. And she'll have this whole life policy too. And she'll probably be a W2 employee until retirement, you know, because she's a nurse. Right. So these kind of strategies could be used for anybody essentially. Yeah. It's interesting. I love it. Um, I mean, what else do you want people to know about the bank on yourself strategy or just, you know, especially for small business owners? I mean, any other advice that you would have for, you know, the small business owners out there listening in that are really trying to figure out you know, how they can make their money work for them. Mm-hmm. And like you said, keep more of it instead of just it coming in and going right out the door. I mean, what have, what have we not hit on that you think the audience should, should hear? Yeah, definitely. We talked about some of the asset protection. We talked about the tax benefits, the tax advantages of using this, the, um, the need to keep your money, not, not just make more money, uh, repositioning dollars, um, so we're not, so we're not necessarily adding a new business expense for the business owners. Cause I know business as, as a business owner myself, expenses are a big deal, you know, and yeah. we have to be like super tight with our money, you know, and this yeah. is a way to reposition your dollars, not necessarily add an expense to it. Yeah. I like I like the way you put that reposition your, your dollars. Um, so, you know, one thing I know that a lot of people, myself included, you know, you hear great advice, great strategies like this. You listen to it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. And then you never do anything with it. Um, what are, what are like a one or two actionable items that people could go out and do today after listening to this podcast to, you know, start putting some of the things you've talked about into place? Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. So they could pretty much go and read a couple books. So one book is the bank on yourself revolution. Okay. By Pamela Yellen. You can find that on Amazon. You can read it through Kindle. Uh, the second book is Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Uh, Nelson Nash actually invented the infinite banking concept. So he kind of laid it out. And, and then pretty much there's a bunch of podcasts and, and videos about this. If you go to, um, if you just search, you know, infinite banking concept, bank on yourself concept, learn about this. And we actually recommend that our clients have, are familiar with this. Uh, so that way they, when they, when we get on the phone with them, when we talk to them, they're kind of already, they have, they have the basics down. They know we're going right. to talk about life insurance. They know, they kind of have an idea of it already. And then the reasons why, again, we're not just talking about life insurance. We're talking about the cash value of it. And then, and it's, I, I, one of my favorite sayings, it's, it's function over title, meaning that we're not just buying the term or the title life insurance. It's the function of it. It's what it could do in our lives that can make things go smoother or even better than they currently are go are, are doing. So definitely like get educated on this basic. You don't have to, you know, become a bank on yourself professional to do this, but just to kind of um, understand the basics and the pros and cons. And then everybody has their own way of using this. So like if you're a business owner, you'll have your way. If you're a real estate investor, you have your way of doing this. And a lot of times clients, they kind of take the wheel. They like, all right, so I could do this. I can do this. All right. You know what? Let's, let's do this solution with this. And right. then now they're kind of, they own that strategy now with themselves. It's not just us, us pitching something and saying, do it this way. The clients are taking the wheel and they're like, you know what, let's do it this way instead, because this is better in my situation. Yeah. You're educating them on how it works and the potential benefits and maybe different options available to them. And then 
them, you know, the, your individual clients knowing their own situations better than you would are then kind of deciding how they could best leverage it. I like that. I think it's a, a good approach and somewhat refreshing in the, uh, you know, industry that you're in. So love the book recommendations. We'll put those in the show notes. And of course, another actionable item would be they could reach out to you, right? You work with people all across the country, I believe you said. Yes. Yeah. All across the country. And they could reach out to us uh, by going to our, our website. It's finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. And there's a link you can schedule a free appointment and we can jump on Zoom or over the phone, whatever is easier for you. And then, yeah. And actually, if you guys reach out and you, came, and you say you came from West's podcast, I will send you a free copy of either The Bank on Yourself Revolution or uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, either book you'd like. Boom. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I just wrote both of the book names. Uh, I'm going to order those today. Um, but uh, yeah, and we'll put your website in the show notes as well. So uh, people can reach out and have a conversation with you if they're interested in learning more. Anything else you want to say to the audience before we uh, put a bow on this one? No, just remember to think like a bank. Always think like a bank. Love it. Think like a bank. All right, cool. And um, I do have a lightning round uh, if you've got a couple more minutes. Yeah. Uh, these are four questions that I ask to every single guest that comes on the podcast. Um, so first question of the lightning round is simply, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? That could be business advice or just general life advice. Uh, control your emotions. Ooh, good one. <laughs> that's one that's easier said than done, right? Yeah. For me, at least. Um, but no, I love that. <laughs> Control your emotions. Um, so I'm curious, do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? Yeah. So um, what? So as a business owner, um, one of my weaknesses is that I get sidetracked sometimes with like new opportunities or new strategies, things that could pull me, pull me away from what I'm doing. Yeah. And I kind of have a, my morning routine is to, I have a, like an activity that helps me uh, dodge that or hedge against that. Uh, pretty much what I do is I have something called like a priority recap where every day, mm. uh, the first thing I do is I, I prioritize, I recap what I'm prioritizing. So I'll say like, what am I doing today? Or what am I doing? I'm building uh, an insurance agency and a financial services practice with this main concept. And every single day I reiterate that. So this way I kind of have it embedded in my subconscious. So if something, if a new opportunity comes, my natural reaction now is I'm, I, I'm, I'll pass on it or I'll, I'll check this out next year, the next two years, you know, right. I'll yeah, kind of put it on that. hold. So this way I'm not getting sidetracked and, and, and moved, uh, moving away from the target. I love that. I, I do something similar. So I'm curious, do you write it out every morning or are you just kind of reading it or, or reciting it in your head? So I write it out from scratch every day as if yeah. it's my first time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Actually putting the pen to paper and, and writing it out. Um, mm -hmm that's, that's powerful. And it definitely, uh, helps with the subconscious for sure. Uh, I've found at least, uh, you've already given us a couple of great book recommendations. I'm curious, what book are you reading right now? So you're, you're going to be kind of shocked, but I'm actually listening to an audio book by 50 cent. It's called hustle smarter, hustle smarter, How hustle is it? harder. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, does he read it? Yeah. Yeah. He reads it. Yeah. 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 I've, I've gotten huge on audible the last like year and a half or so. 
Um, I think I did 65 audiobooks in 2020. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, that's one that's come up uh, like in the recommendations for me and I've been meaning to get it. And I always love when the author, you know, if you're listening to the audiobook, I always like when the author reads it themselves versus someone else, uh, especially someone like 50 Cent. He's got to read his own book. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was kind of sh- I was kind of surprised. I didn't think, you know, I just thought he was just a rapper. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know anything else about him, but the book changes. I mean, he talks about rich, rituals, morning routines, you yeah. know, understanding who's in your team, your network, you know, trusting people, not trusting certain people. He talks about all these things like outlines, like the DNA of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I don't know a ton about him, but I know he's a pretty disciplined and he's a, he's a savvy business guy. Like he's yeah. made some serious money on, on uh, investments that he's gotten in on. I think vitamin water was one. He made like a couple hundred million on vitamin water Yeah, uh, yeah. back in the day. So yeah, that's cool. I'll check that one out. And then last question is uh, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Yeah. Definition of freedom. Um, pretty much being in control of your time. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living it now, but not entirely. You know, I think the next level is when I could, you know, turn down a client because I'd rather go, you know, fishing. Yeah. I am not at that level yet. I still need the capital coming in and I still need to talk to people, you know, no doubt. Totally yeah. understand still being in growth mode, man. But, um, yeah. well, and you know, one of the reasons I like to, to do this lightning round is because, you know, I have all these successful people come on here. And so I ask the same four questions and get to kind of compare, you know, different answers from different people. But, you know, very rarely do I get a response to that last question where someone's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like totally living it and don't have any room to, you know, keep improving. Right. I mean, everyone that's, you know, growth minded and successful like yourself, it's always like, yeah, I'm there, but I'm not as there as I want to be or, or as there as I will be one day. So that's cool, man. Well, look, this has been great. I learned a lot, you know, just talking to you, no doubt everyone that listens in is going to really uh, get value from this. So appreciate you making time uh, to drop in here on the podcast. We'll put your website uh, in the show notes. I know you're on LinkedIn as well. We'll put the names of these books. But if you're interested in learning more about the bank on yourself concept, reach out to Sari, tell him you heard him on the path to freedom podcast. He'll hook you up with a free book and uh, he'll tell you how to make your money go work for you in a safer, less risky way. Thank you so much, Wes, for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thanks for dropping in. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.